My career, I think, reached peak awesomeness for my dad when um, when I worked on a show with Lauren Cardinal. He was just like, oh, that's so cool. I don't get it. I do. I, to be clear, I do get it. That's amazing, but <laughs> that I don't get it. it. Yeah. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Yegmonton, aka Edmonton. <laughs> I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul. And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered, powered by, by ATB. TB, TB. Ooh, some echoes, Echo, some sound effects. Echo, sound effects. Sound great, effect. great job, Paul. Well, what what happened today? Uh, Fonda, we are currently sitting uh, in uh, an anonymous bar nearby <laughs> the Citadel Theater and or inside the Citadel Theater. Um, after walking out, um, after concluding our, our visiting of the Tempest, uh, which is the last the last kernel of the big Citadel season for this season. Um, yeah, Shakespeare, but very different for Shakespeare. Yes, yes. So this was the um, this was also part of the Citadel season that was in collaboration with um, the BAM Center Professional Program. Um, and so often with this program, they've kind of uh, they've taken on you know parts uh, the classic works often like they'll do Greek theater yes. or they'll do or, or, or sometimes or big Shakespeare right Margaret Atwood's version of Greek theater right uh, Penelope etc yeah yeah all the, the the big some big ones and there's often a very large cast yes um, and in in the past um, in, in the past couple of iterations they've been um, it seems that the program has been really uh, consciously focusing on um, diversity of voices diversity city of types of storytelling um we saw that last year a bit with the silver arrow yeah yeah um and so but this year um what what sort of how did the, how were they staging the tempest um so one of the very interesting things on this show is it's sort of a, a departure um in a lot of ways um there's a huge uh, asl american sign language component to the citadel's production of this show um on stage, um, it's it's part of it. The part of the ensemble is, is doing the ASL interpretation of of this magic of of Shakespeare Island, as I like to think of the Tempest. <laughs> Shakespeare's um, Shakespeare's to, last island because it's to, his last place. It's true, yeah. The, so the last island, this last refuge. But um, it was sort of this um, magical uh, uh, version of that show. In a lot of ways. Um, putting the text, which is often held up as sort of the, the paramount of Shakespeare um, and put on this pedestal, puts that a lo- in a lot of the ways, in a lot of ways to the side um, where it is a very visual, very evocative show um, that does have text, of course, but is interpreting that text even within the show and is, is focusing on um, this, um, this version that uh, offers offers something a little different. Offers a, a different um, vibe. What were what were your impressions, Fonda? What what stood out for you? I think there was a really a real conscious. Um 
conscious a purpose to tell the story in in very sensory ways. So you we had there was a there was sound design in the show that was really bass heavy, vibrational. Deep. Yeah, so you could feel it as well as hear it. Um, movement, uh, you know, of course, ASL is a movement based language, um, but there was also a lot of really interesting um, physicality for the characters, in particular um, the character of the Prince Ferdinand. He had some great, like, post-drowning, um, trying to get his, trying to shake off his sea legs yeah. sort of um, yeah. bit at the end, or, or at the at the beginning there, right when he meets Miranda. Um, yeah, so, so there were a lot of elements, I feel, that were brought together. Also, even just sort of, like, the smell of the rain. There was water on stage all, the entire show, um, and that was, that was really cool, not only to kind of, like, see the characters splashing around with it. I thought Caliban made a lot of really great use of the water that was just, like, kind of on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, uh, but also, yeah, even just kind of that sensory, like, just a little bit of humidity and the smell of, like, wet clothes when, and rain. Yeah, so, you know, as, as the Shakespeare play, there's a, you know, an island with a father and a daughter, uh, Prospero being the father, here played by Lauren Cardinal, um, uh, this this sorcerer, and there's a shipwreck, and these people spill onto the island. It's sort of dealing with the consequences of that. Um, the tone was... Um, dark isn't quite right, but it's very um, heightened realism um, in in with the uh, in this world of magic, uh, where we have yeah these effects, these beautiful effects, all this rain coming down, uh, so much production to it. Um, uh, but uh, in a lot of ways showing rather than speaking the Shakespeare language that, that we sort of know as Shakespeare, the, the pentameter and that. It's there, of course, but so much of it is about this visual and, and sort of a deeper um, level and, and resonance to it, both literally in terms of like deeper bass notes to feel in the sound design um, and these deeper notes, but also just in showing us as much as it's telling us. Um, and how did you feel about that approach to Shakespeare, Fonda? How did you feel about the idea of, like, we're not just dwelling in the language. We're sort of uh, presenting it in a different way. I, You know, I, I've i said before I'm kind of a Shakespeare purist. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I love the text. I do love the text. But I also really like this this great method of sort of, like, demonstrative Shakespeare where you know pe- the the performers are really actually kind of going through the motions you see this a lot with um, YA uh, YA Shakespeare too like or, or for young audiences where they're really trying to kind of get people into the language even if they haven't heard it before and you know what was interesting about the show is that it did I, I feel as a as you know one of those Shakespeare uh, folks that it it did it was pleasing in a lot of ways because they did include, they included Shakespeare that wasn't even the Tempest. They included parts from the Romeo and Juliet balcony scene. They included, there was um, Nadine Chu uh, who plays Queen Alonso, um, you know, uh, gender bending from uh, Alonso. She she did the speech, um, These Are the Forgeries of Jealousy, which is from Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, it's a Titania speech. So, you know, like kind of finding like some of like the big, 
um, the big speeches of Shakespeare that that uh, that people might have actually been already familiar with too. Um, the other thing I like all of the Tempest big lines were there. Most of them are spoken by Prospero or Caliban, and I will say that Caliban had some of the best scenes in the show, um, played brilliantly by Ray Strachan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, I will never be disappointed. I will always be excited to see Nadine Chu on a bill. Learn Cardinal as well. Um, just like uh, Learn Cardinal as Prospero, as this magician who's sort of conjuring so much of, of what we see, uh, but also thwarted by so much of what we see. Um, and so the, the cast was very strong, um, especially in those central roles. Um, and I think there's just... Um, uh, I'm, I, I would not call myself a Shakespeare purist, Fonda. I'm fair, fair enough. <laughs> I'm happy to see like what we can do with this. If we're gonna like look at a 400-year-old text, um, how can we play with this? What can we do? So that sort of uh, uh, referencing and drawing in other parts of the Shakespeare canon, um, I'm all for. I'm here for it to see like if that is heightening this mood or showing us this thing or showing us these stories in a different way um, that is also effective, which I thought this was. I thought it was so much theater magic. Um, I would not say the narrative was the clearest arc I've ever seen, especially for The Tempest, but I feel like um, I loved watching it. I just loved seeing this thing unfurl and when the rain would come and how uh, uh, how people would occupy the space, this beautiful design sort of like three level set where there was a ground floor and then also two floors to our shipwreck where- And under the water. Oh, yes, <laughs> where the rain was coming down. And for so much of it, Lauren Cardinal's character Prospero, the magician, was sort of uh, biding over it, even in scenes where he wasn't. He would just sort of be watching and conjuring and letting these things happen and making these things happen. Um, and to me that like, uh, as far as if we look at the Tempest and think about the Tempest, like in this idea of magic and this person who's making this happen, um, uh, I'm fine to discard so much of that language to gain this stagecraft sort of side of it, this sort of presentational, like, uh, evocative um, sentiment and feeling and design that uh, draws us in in a very different way where we're not just like oh how verbose ooh ooh how dexterous of tongue um i am happy to see the other side yeah well i mean there's the tempest is one of the shows of shakespeare i think that there can be like hella production value brought in right like you know it's raining you got a shipwreck, shipwreck yeah. you got you got oh and i mean the the entrance of ariel was so spooky and creepy at the beginning ariel in this play, uh, in this production, um, is played by a cast, or is played by a chorus of six, uh, I think it was six? They, they, but they rise up from the deep with their mouths sort of gaping open, sort of like ring horror movie style. Right. Like the shipwreck, sort of, um, we, are, we are the crew who've been lost, maybe. Um, this sort of rise of, of voices and, and style, and yeah. Uh, that lent well to the mix of ASL and, and spoken performance. and Yeah, and because Ariel acts sort of as Prospero's um, sort of minion on the island. So Ariel is, um, with with most of the ASL cat or the... Um, 
the six uh, actors who are playing Ariel um, proficient in ASL, they're the ones who are sort of like interpreting everything alongside every other character in the show. And so Ariel, as a part of the island, as a spirit of the island, is kind of all this presence all the time, but also as a tool of Prospero is kind of um, kind of there. And, and you see Caliban, Caliban as, an, uh, as a native of the island, um, has kind of his, his own role in that. And, and, and I will point out very funny turns with Caliban um, and Troy O'Donnell as Stefano um, and Trincula, played by Elizabeth Morris. What a, what a great what a great way to kind of like um, in, in, in sort of a very dark show um, bring, bring out the comedy and, and a little bit more of the, the lightness and silliness in particular the uh, making fun of um, <laughs> Stefano's Stefano's religious devotion <laughs> yeah, yeah I think uh, the cast was uh, well uh, used well executed their skills were really shown Trey O'Donnell was uh, excellent in, in the role um, yeah I think um Fonda, uh, tell me about being a Shakespeare purist and, and what it is about that that, like, grounds you. I, like, as a, an unfinished English major, I get it. I have the folios at home. Um, you know, I've, I've read so much Shakespeare. Um, and I get when it's really crackling, it's great. Um, but what is it about... Um, that language that really lands for you and what is it when we discarded it in a situation like this what does that let us see within that within what's on the page when we interpret it in a visual way rather than a a wordy way um, what comes through I think in a lot of ways what um, what really always gets to me about Shakespeare is not just sitting down and reading it is is hearing it in performance because the pentameter actually is brilliant. There's something about the actual beating of the human heart that I think is actually keyed up right into that. And maybe that's why, I mean, as a native English speaker, hearing Shakespeare in, in, in English is, to me, something. And I do think that you have to kind of hone your ear to it. Maybe it's kind of the way you have to hone your ear to hearing a sports broadcast, sure, yeah. right? <laughs> um, but, like, once you once you have that, I don't know, I've... I, I feel like I've been around probably too much of it, <laughs> um, and I. You, you were formerly the general manager of a Shakespeare festival, so you're familiar with the world. What I love about shows like this, and about the way that um, you know it takes those sort of kernels of text, those like crazy freaking good lines like "Hell is empty and all the devils are here," um, you know, and then and then just like uses it to blow up this beautiful. Physical, like dance and and like multidisciplinary scene where the whole story is still being told, but even if you only get that one line, which is the best line in that speech, <laughs> um, you know, like there there you go, right? Um, then and what also I find, you know, in under the Shakespeare purist thing, is that. Um, so many, so many Shakespeare companies are now realizing that you can't just cast 18 white men and one white lady in a, in a traditional Shakespeare show. That's just not the way. That's that's not the way that it should be done anymore. If you want this text, even if you want the text itself to live on, they can't be that way. Um, and The Tempest was one of the first plays that people really started to play with um, casting Prospero as a woman. 
in the main role. Um, and that, so like big, big companies I'm talking, yeah, you know, yeah. you like the Royal Shakespeare Company and stuff. And what was, I found gr- really like a great turn in this production is that Prospero is played by Lauren Cardinal, an indigenous person. Um, Prospero has some great uh, themes and lines that really, truly relate to the indigenous experience about being torn from his gods, torn from his land, you know, like throw and hit him and his child are thrown out. Right, These um, people showing up on the land and fucking it up in a lot of ways. Yeah, and well, and then also in, in an interesting way, he's kind of playing the colonizer to Caliban's island. Um, so, it, yeah, it just it's really complex and and interesting. And I thought Lorne Cardinal um, was so passionate in this role. Um, a lot of his time is relegated to lurking at the top of a tower, but for in the early moments and later on, um, the way he approaches this text is so full of emotion and beautiful and uh, like non-traditional, but like fuck, fuck tradition in the sense that like that served the performance and the show so well, what he did. I loved it. I loved his um, right from, we see him in the get-go, sort of um, as he's in his first moments, there's this um, someone sort of like almost like tattooing him in the back. He has this circle tattoo on his back, but like we see this person like hammering an arrow into his back. There's pain, there are sounds of pain, and it sort of sets this tone in this beautiful and haunting way. Uh, I, I was here for it <laughs> yeah that was it was Caliban so Prospero and Caliban have been living on the island and Caliban's the one who's tattooing it was is is great great um, happy birthday currently going out of the bar give it 20 seconds <laughs> happy birthday whoever you are um, it's Troy O'Donnell's birthday, I guess, apparently. Um, he was in the show. I'm not sure if he made it to the bar this quickly. but <laughs> Someone got a happy birthday in the bar, and hopefully he did as well backstage. Yeah. Um, but that idea of, yeah, just like that passion. This is a show so much about passions and um, that character of Prospero and power and, and how you sort of relegate those two things and um, his daughter falling in love with the wrong person in a lot of ways and it's about these passions sort of spilling over and I think um, that spilling over was very um, uh, poignant in this show without relying on the text it showed it in, in different ways and I, I like that um, on some ways I can see the I can see critiques of like well we want more of Shakespeare's text we want uh, a two and a half hour show instead of the 90 minute no intermission show that this was which I appreciated. That was a nice, tight version of The Tempest. I will just say, you, you know, poo-poo the naysayers who are just kind of like, I didn't get the story. I'm like, that was the tightest telling of The Tempest that I have seen in quite, in, in, ever, really. Yeah, and so to, to break it down in that way, to boil it down to that, and to show us in these really interesting, beautiful ways, um, I appreciated um, and then um, found I got different things from it. It got this very tactile um, 
a multi-sense sort of version, deeper notes in the sound score, um, uh, more more production value, um, uh, yeah, just more uh, more grit in in what I saw. I, I I'm here for that. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think there were a lot of really um, worthwhile risks taken in the production. Um, definitely, like big kudos to the director Josette Bouchel Mingo um, and the and the production team. Like just really really fantastic um, work on it. Um, I'll point out that the sound design and composition was done by Dave Clark, um, who's done um, a lot of work with the Sound Off Festival and that kind of stuff. And is a goddamn sound design hero. I don't know personally, but has done amazing things in that in that medium. And so to combine that here uh, with a show that like. Uh, uh, is is focusing on and sort of trying to reach out to the ASL community is interesting, and I think he did really interesting work. Um, who I am not in that community, a full full stop. Um, but uh, I felt I felt affected and drawn into the performance from where I am. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as, as a hearing person watching the show, there were parts of the show that were done d- entirely in ASL, um, and I still feel was able to appreciate the emotion and movement that came through that. Um, there was a great part, there was a great scene with Ferdinand and Miranda where they taught each other the signs for mother and father um, by by drawing in the water and like making the motions, like the father and mother. I, like, I, thought, I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So that sense of connection, that sense of like, in this, like, you wash up on an island. How do you connect with the people who are there? How, what do they have that you don't? What do you have that they don't? And that, um, that felt very poignant in this production of just like, right, we're going to look at that from uh, almost meta level of language and like, how can we connect? How, instead of relying on this language that we know and we know Shakespeare's known for language and these words and pentameter, blah, 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 ba-dum, 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 ba-dum um, <laughs> pentameter, I do know the word. Um, uh, it was nice to see it uh, presented in a different way and explored in a different way. And uh, it felt very satisfying in that way. Um, that was just like, wow! Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, my, is my review. It's whoa. Whoa, yeah. I mean, I, I will say I've been kind of like, I've been kind of hard on the Banff Center shows in the last few years because I feel that they always have such a large cast and they're always trying to do so much that, that sometimes things get really lost in, in, in what is usually a really, really freaking great idea of yeah, a production. Yeah. Um, but I think, I, I do, th- I think they really pulled it off with this one. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was, um, to take something that's so like traditional in the sense of like ah Shakespeare of course yes that will that will pull the people in and to really be like no we're gonna um, interpret this in different ways and extend olive branches to these communities to bring them into a space where they're maybe not always made to feel welcome or made to feel like they will appreciate the full story and to give them that connection um, I thought was great and again just like even the top billing of like Lone Cardinal and Nadine Chu um, winner winner chicken dinner <laughs> if I may um, uh, it's just like uh, a wonderful combination in a in a in a, a tempest of ideas uh, really uh, came home to roost yeah. there, there's there's nothing quite as enjoyable as 
seeing uh, an, a performer like Nadine Chu yell good Shakespeare at you. It's 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 just it's just kind of the best. Love it. Love it so much. All right, and with that, we're we're gonna try and do some ads. <laughs> Plenty of people dream of starting a successful band with their friends, but actually achieving that is another matter entirely. For Edmonton band Altamida, making music full-time was their goal. Thankfully, they discovered ATB's Branch for Arts and Culture. Designed by artists for artists, the Branch for Arts and Culture caters to the unique needs of people who work in creative industries. With their help, Altamida has been making great music together and getting banking support. To see their full story, go to atb.com slash A-L-T-A-M-E-D-A. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation's Well Endowed Podcast. On the most recent episode, you'll hear about the story of McLuhan House with Chris Chang-Yen Phillips and about Shiv and Raja, a couple that has been managing life with Parkinson's disease for over a year. Tune in and learn how the Parkinson's Association of Alberta is helping them navigate the complex care network needed to maintain their quality of life. To find out more about all of ECF's work in Edmonton, visit thewellendowedpodcast.com. Yeah. Listing. Let's hit it. Um, until May 5th, uh, The Empress and the Prime Minister by Darren Hagen uh, is still playing at Theatre Network. Go check that out at the Roxy on uh, Gateway. Uh, we It was in our last episode. We talked about it. Yeah. And of course, as we've just discussed at length, The Tempest is running at the Citadel Theatre until May 12th. I would recommend that you don't miss it. Uh, until May 7th, the Rubaboo Arts Festival, combined with the Dream Speakers Film Festival, is happening at various locations throughout town. Check it out. On April 29th, Mile Zero Dance is having a dance blitz in honor of International Dance Day. It's International Dance Day tomorrow, Paul. Um, guess where they're doing that? Where? At Chez Pierre. Chez Pierre. Uh, then uh, April 30th to May 5th, I'm very excited about this, uh, uh, Nassim by uh, Nassim uh, Solimampour is happening at the Citadel Club. It's where um, uh, one of the performers in the show has never seen the script, is only given the script at night of so different performers every night and they are interpreting and realizing that text in the moment of seeing it whoa um starting on april 30th and running till may 11th booming tree uh, is running a man draws a bird at the backstage theater uh uh april oh no um May 1st to 29th, almost the full month, we have Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike by Christopher Durang, which is uh, part of the Shadow Theatre season happening at the Varscona Theatre during that time. I haven't seen a Christopher Durang play since I was in, like, first year university. Oh, shit. Have you ever seen a Christopher Durang play? What, what else has Christopher Durang done? That name is very familiar. Uh, Sister Mary Ignatius explains it all for you. Um, there's, there's a, uh, we'll, we'll, we should try and go. We'll talk. Okay, great. <laughs> all right, and also starting up uh, May third through fifth, Ballet Edmonton with their, um, I believe their season closer called Now I Know, featuring new works by Wenwei Wong and Gioconda Barbuto. That is happening at the Trifo Theater in uh, at, at uh, Allard Hall, the Grant McEwen campus. Right, and uh, lastly, uh, Alberta Ballet is presenting Joni Mitchell's The Fiddle and the Drum, one of their uh, pop jukebox ballets from May 9th to 11th at the Northern Jubilee Auditorium. 
Uh, and this performance, we've just learned in the last week, will be the will feature the um, sort of retirement retirement shows of uh, our one of our favorite soloists, Ina Gutierrez. Um, so we we shall uh, we shall maybe um, talk about that at at some length because she has been a favorite of mine on the Alberta Ballet stage for quite some time. And it's been nine years as a principal dancer. Who does that? Well, well, with Alberta Ballet, she was a principal dancer in Cuba even longer than that. Bull! Oh, amazing. So we'll get into that in a later episode. But thanks so much, Fonda. Thanks for coming to The Tempest. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. I know you're busy. Uh, and I know you're busy. And for everyone else, we're all busy. But go see some theater and dance. Bye. I don't get it is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinov. Sit here, thank you. I love you.